0: Hello again, everybody. This is the Chris Cast, and I am your host, Chris. Let's start off with some unfortunate celebrity deaths this week. First up, the drummer who played with Ministry, Nine Inch Nails, uh, Kane Crimson, Robin Hitchcock, REM, has passed away at the age of 59. And I apologize if I get his name wrong. But Bill Rieflin was born in Seattle in 1960, passed away on March 25th, 2020. And from APNews.com, multiple Tony-winning playwright Terrence McNally dies at 81. Terrence McNally, one of America's great playwrights whose prolific career included winning Tony Awards for the plays Love, Valor, Compassion, and Masterclass, and the musicals Ragtime and Kiss of the Spider Woman, has died of complications from the coronavirus. He was 81. McNally died Tuesday at a Sarasota Memorial Hospital in Sarasota, Florida, according to Representative Matt Polk. McNally was a lung cancer survivor who lived with chronic inflammatory lung disease. His plays and musicals explored how people connect or fail to. With wit and thoughtfulness, he tackled the strains in families, war, and relationships, and probed the spark and costs of creativity. He was an openly gay writer who wrote about homophobia, love, and AIDS. His work will live on, but unfortunately, he will not, as the coronavirus has gotten him. And that's why we all need to do our part to stay safe and keep others safe. As I've been saying, follow the advice. Stay home as much as you can. If you can go to work be safe if you have to go to work take extra precautions make sure you're washing your hands make sure you're cleaning the grocery cart before you start shopping anything you can do to spread the infection or to prevent the spread of infection do it we are in dire times right now and we need to pull through and everybody must do their part next up from the new york times Eric Weisberg, dueling banjos musician, dies at 80. Eric Weisberg, a gifted multi-instrumentalist whose melodic banjo work on the 1973 hit single Dueling Banjos, helped bring bluegrass music into the cultural mainstream, died on Sunday in a nursing home near Detroit. He was 80. Juliet Weisberg, his wife of 34 years, said the cause was complications of Alzheimer's disease. The theme songs to the film Bonnie and Clyde and the CBS sitcom The Beverly Hillbillies, both recorded by Flatten Scruggs, preceded dueling banjos and exposing wide audiences to bluegrass, neither made it to the top to the pop top forty. Dueling banjos, which appeared on the soundtrack to the nineteen seventy two movie Deliverance, fared far better, rising to number two on the Billboard pop chart. And again, Eric Weisberg passes away at eighty from complications of Alzheimer's. And another victim of the coronavirus. This is from BBC.com. Manu Dibango, African saxophone legend, dies of COVID-19. Dibango, best known for his 1972 hit Soul Macasa, is one of the first global stars to die from COVID-19. The 86-year-old fused jazz and funk music with traditional sounds from his home country, Cameroon. He collaborated with numerous artists over a long career, including U.S. pianist Herbie Hancock and Nigeria's Afrobeat pioneer Fila Kuti. The Cameroonian musician filed a lawsuit in 2009 saying Michael Jackson had stolen a hook from his song, Soul Makossa" for two tracks on the world's best-selling album, Thriller. Jackson settled the, co- the case out of court. It is with deep sadness that we announce to you the loss of Manu Dibango, our peppy groove, A statement on his official Facebook page read, Again, from complications of COVID-19, DeBongo passes away at the age of 86. And not to overshadow the others, but a huge loss was felt this past Saturday when Kenny Rogers passed away at the age of 81. This comes from MSN.com. Actor-singer Kenny Rogers, the smooth Grammy-winning balladeer who who spanned jazz, folk, country, and pop with such hits as Lucille, Lady, and Islands in the Stream, and embraced his persona as the gambler on record and on TV, died Friday night. He was 81. He died at home in Sandy Springs, Georgia, Representative Keith Hagen told the Associated Press. He was under hospice care and died of natural causes, Hagen said. The Houston-born performer with the husky voice and silver beard sold tens of millions of records, won three Grammys, and was the star of TV movies based on The Gambler and other songs, making him a superstar in the 70s and 80s. Rogers thrived for some 60 years before retiring from touring in 2017 at age 79. Despite his crossover success, he always preferred to be thought of as a country singer. You either do what everyone else is doing and you do it better, or you do what no one else is doing and don't invite comparison. Rogers told the Associated Press in 2015, and I chose that way because I could never be better than Johnny Cash or Willie or Waylon at what they did. So I found something that I could do with that so that so I found something that I could do that didn't invite comparison to them. And I think people thought it was my desire to change country music, but that was never my issue. A true rags-to-riches story, Rogers was raised in public housing in Houston Heights with seven siblings. As a 20-year-old, he had a gold single called That Crazy Feeling under the name Kenneth Rogers, but when that early success stalled, he joined a jazz group, the Bobby Doyle Trio, as a stand-up bass player. But his breakthrough came when he was asked to join the New Christy Minstrels, a folk group, in 1966. The band reformed as the first edition, and scored a pop hit with the psychedelic song Just Dropped In to See What Condition My Condition Was In. Rogers, and first edition, mixed country rock and folk songs on like, on songs like Ruby Don't Take Your Love to Town, a story of a Vietnam veteran begging his girlfriend to stay. After the group broke up in 1974, Rogers started his solo career and found a big hit with the sad country ballad Lucille in 1977, which crossed over to the pop charts and earned Rogers his first Grammy. Suddenly, the star Rogers had Rogers added hit after hit for more than a decade. The gambler, the Grammy winning song story song penned by Don Schlitz, came out in nineteen seventy eight and became his signature song with the signature refrain "You got to know when to hold' no one to fold em the, spawn, the song spawned a hit TV movie of the same name and several more sequels featuring Rogers as professional gambler, Brady Hawks and led to a lengthy side career for Rogers as a TV actor and host of several TV specials. Other hits included You Decorated My Life, Every Time Two Fools Collide with Dottie West, Don't Fall in Love with a Dreamer with Kim Carnes, and Coward of the County. One of the biggest successes was Lady, written by Lionel Richie, a chart topper for six weeks straight in 1980. Richie said in a 2017 interview with the AP that he often didn't finish songs until he had already pitched them, which was the case for Lady. In the beginning, the song was called Baby, Richie said, and because when I first sat with him for the first 30 minutes, all he talked about was he just got married to a real lady. A country guy like him is married to a lady. So he said, By the way, what's the name of the song? Richie replies, Lady. Over the years, Rogers worked often with female duet partners, most memorably Dolly Parton. The two were paired at the suggestion of the Bee Gees' Barry Gibb, who wrote Islands in the Stream. Barry was producing an album on me, and he gave me this song, Rogers told the AP in 2017. And I went and learned it and went into the studio and sang it for four days. And I finally looked at him and said, Barry, I don't even like this song anymore. And he said, you know what we need? We need Dolly Parton. I thought, man, that guy is a visionary. Coincidentally, Parton was actually in the same recording studio in Los Angeles when the idea came up. From the moment when she marched into that room, that song never sounded the same, Rogers said. It took on a whole new spirit. The two singers toured together, including in Australia and New Zealand in 1984 and 1987, and were featured in an HBO concert special. Over the years, the two would continue to record together, including their last duet, You Can't Make Old Friends, which was released in 2013. Parton reprised Islands in the Stream with Rogers during his All-Star Retirement Concert held in Nashville in October 2017. Rogers' family is planning a private service out of concern for the national COVID-19 emergency, a statement posted early Saturday read, A public memorial will be held at a later date. My best to his family and fans as we will all miss Kenny Rogers. But let's move on to happier news. Forbes ranked the 20th happy countries in the world. And the United States of America was not that high on the list. From 20, Belgium. 19, the Czech Republic. 18, the United States. 17 Germany, 16 Ireland, 15 Costa Rica, 14 Israel, 13 the United Kingdom, 12 Australia, 11 Canada, 10 Luxembourg, 9 Austria, 8 New Zealand, 7 Sweden, 6 the Netherlands, 5 Norway, four, Iceland, three, Switzerland, two, Denmark, and number one happiest country is Finland. And what that says is this current political climate is killing our happiness in this country. We need to come together. We need to stop this hate that's in the country, and we need to become happier people. We need to stop attacking people. We need to stop belittling people because we don't agree with them. We need to stop following a president who creates such hate. We need to start thinking for ourselves and being nicer to each other. And Netflix has actually given some good news here today. Deadline reports Netflix establishes $100 million coronavirus relief fund. Netflix is giving back to the creative community as the entertainment industry reels from the fallout of the coronavirus pandemic. In a company blog post Friday, Ted Sarandos, chief content officer, said the streamer has established a $100 million fund to help those workers hardest hit in the television and film industry by the outbreak. Most of the funds will go toward the hardest hardest hit workers on Netflix's own productions around the world, Sarandos said the logistics of which are being worked out production by production. The company has already committed to paying workers two weeks' pay following the production suspensions last week. Sarandos said $15 million will go to third parties and nonprofits providing emergency relief to out-of-work crew and cast in the countries where the company has a large production base. So they hopefully will be able to do more for others, but at least it's a start. Next up from Yahoo, Starbucks will now pay all employees for the next 30 days, even if they choose to stay home. Following an online petition urging the chain to close all stores, Starbucks will now pay all employees 30 days of catastrophe pay, regardless if, of if they choose to come to work or not. In an open letter to employees, EVB and President of U.S. Company Operated Business in Canada, Roseanne Williams, explained... Any partners serving in our stores that remain open are there because they want to be there to serve our community at this time. To guarantee that, we are going to pay all store partners for the next 30 days, whether you come to work or choose to stay home. We understand the pressure you may feel, and we hope this brings you some reassurance that, especially in difficult times, we are a different kind of company. And again, as I said earlier, we must do our parts, each and every one of us, to keep everybody safe. If you have to work, go to work. I have a job where I have to work. It will not close, and there's no getting around it. But I am taking precautions when I go out to grocery shop and whatever because I have patients that rely on me at my job, and I don't want to pass anything on to them that they can't get over. So, again, Starbucks doing the right thing, paying their employees for 30 days minimum if they want to stay home instead of risking their lives, basically. Next up, from WLWT.com, and my little tidbit on this is, if you have the money and can do. Hamilton Animal Shelter cleared out after dozens of local families adopt and foster during COVID-19 pandemic. If you walk into the Animal Friends Humane Society in Hamilton, expect to see it nearly empty. The Humane Society posted on Facebook on Monday saying it was in urgent need of people to adopt and foster its animals in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. To prepare for the possibility of not having enough healthy staff and volunteers to care for our shelter animals in the coming weeks, We are faced with having to place as many animals as possible outside of our shelter, the Facebook post said. The shelter ran a name-your-price adoption event this week and said 40 animals were available. On Thursday, the Humane Society posted an update on Facebook saying that in just four days, with the exception of three dogs still available for adoption and five dogs housed in the stray dog wing, the shelter had been cleared out. So, again, if you have the money and you can... Foster an animal, adopt an animal, they need your help too. And it's a very good point that they may not be able to be taken care of because the staff may not be able to come in due to sickness. So, again, if you have the means, adopt or foster if you can. Next up, a story that you might find as amusing as I did, but it's a good story. Also about the coronavirus, this is from BleedingCool.com. Pornhub gives aid to NYC COVID-19 first responders, also donates masks. Internet porn giant Pornhub is offering assistance to first responders battling the coronavirus pandemic afflicting the state by giving away free access to their Pornhub premium service worldwide for the next 30 days. In addition to providing workers battling battling the sickness with relief after a hard day, the move also encourages people to stay inside rather than going out into public to spread germs. With nearly 1 billion people in lockdown across the world because of the coronavirus pandemic, it's important that we lend a hand and provide them with an enjoyable way to pass the time, said Pornhub Vice President Corey Price of The Assistance. Price did not specify whether other body parts would also be lent if the crisis escalates or whether the hand would be lent in the form of the entire hand, a fist, one or two fingers, or the shocker. All that matters is that Pornhub's contribution can help beat off the effects of self-isolation. In an even more generous move, however, Pornhub is also donating 50,000 surgical masks to care workers throughout New York City, according to a report from the New York Post, helping provide the much-needed protection those on the front lines of the fight against COVID-19 require. The masks can be worn by anyone providing aid to sufferers of the illness, including BBW nurses, slutty tender doctors with gaping censored holes, and cucks videotaping their wives having sex with hung bulls uh, in a hospital. Though the masks are intended to be used by those directly providing care to sick patients, There are technically no restrictions on tricking your bratty sister into wearing the masks, strapping one on your sleeping stepmom, wearing one while pleasuring your landlord at rent time, or even sharing them with a pair of eager lesbians who just turned 18 enjoying their first experience at a swainer's party. Pretty much any normal, perfectly common, everyday situation you can imagine of the sorts that regularly appear in the porn provider's popular videos applies. So, they are doing some good... And some people would argue some bad in giving away their service, but they're also donating masks, which, let's face it, the way the article is reading, we don't need to use them that way. They need to be provided to the healthcare workers and emergency staff and such to try and take care of patients with it. So, again, a bit amusing, but there's some good from it too. And one more coronavirus-related story. Movie theaters to open free to public when shutdown ends? This again from BleedingCool.com. Movie theaters are in deep trouble right now. Not only are 99% of screens dark around the country and around the world, they have to start thinking about what they are going to do when this current situation is all over. How do you entice people back? Hit movies will do it, but according to a new interview with Screen Rant, NATO Chief Communication Officer... Patrick Corcoran is not ruling anything out at all, including movie theaters opening their doors to the public for free as some in China have done this week. The statement reads, We're working on it. We are working on it. We're looking at what's been happening in China. In the provinces that were least affected, they're starting starting to open their theaters and they're open for free to patrons to coax them back. The movies they're showing are older ones. We will see. It's going to depend. We're both local and national markets, and our main distribution partners are very interested in national releases as opposed to local ones. So depending on how this virus goes, and whether it's more severe in some places and lifts sooner or later, that's all going to get to go into it. We're looking at ways to reach out to our patrons and also to our studio partners about the best ways to message and roll things out once we're back up and running. So, again, something it's possibly going to happen. They're still trying to figure out the logistics and everything, but definitely I see movie theaters coming back. Everybody will want to see the big screen theater. They will. I don't think that movies will ever die in the theaters because people want to see it on the big screen. So, hopefully, but Again, time will tell, and we will see exactly what they have to offer as the, the coronavirus quarantines and restrictions are lifted. And on the subject of theaters, Gal Gadot has tweeted out, as well as Patty Jenkins, a new release date for Wonder Woman. Gal Gadot said, In these dark and scary times, I am looking forward to a brighter future ahead, where we can share the power of cinema together again. Excited to redate our Wonder Woman 84 film to August 14th, 2020. I hope everyone is safe. Sending my love to you all. And yes, it's disappointing that we have to wait two and a half more months to see Wonder Woman. But it's as Patty Jenkins said, it's a film that deserves to be on the big screen. And hopefully by August, everything will be back to normal and there will be no more delays on getting Wonder Woman 84 to the public. Let's hope, and we will see. And speaking of Wonder Woman, from BleedingCool.com, Diana will fight to bring gay marriage to Amarak in Wonder Woman number 754. Wonder Woman has only been living in Boston for a few issues, but she already has an unexpected house guest in this preview of Wonder Woman number 754. It's Princess Maxima of Almarak, and she knows how to make an entrance. Maxima needs Wonder Woman's help fighting the patriarchy. Maxima doesn't want to marry a king, she wants to marry a queen. Will Wonder Woman help Maxima legalize gay marriage on Almarak? You bet she will. Wonder Woman number 754 hits stores on Wednesday. And... The actual publisher's release says Wonder Woman number 754 Written by Steve Orlando Art by V. Kenneth Marion Color Arts by Robson Roca and Danny Mika Just when she thought her troubles were over, Wonder Woman is thrust into a new adventure that takes her out of this world Princess Maxima, the former ruler of the planet Almarac has crash landed on our hero's doorstep and is desperate for her help Maxima's people are victims are victims of a vicious lie, and only the truth she's discovered will set them free. With Wonder Woman by her side, can she retake her throne and bring back the planet's peaceful matriarchal society? Back on Earth, there is no peace, only War Master. The vengeful villainess has obtained a weapon of mass destruction that can wipe out the Amazons for good. So, keeping in line with Wonder Woman style, Diana fighting for gay marriage and equality again. Look forward to that issue definitely. And bleedingcool.com is just a source of great articles this week. Next up, DC offers online kids' camp for coronavirus shut ins. DC Comics is offering relief to children stuck at home during the coronavirus pandemic, and perhaps more importantly, to parents stuck inside with them. DC has launched DC's Kids' Camp, an online program of activities videos, and comics for kids to enjoy online while parents do their best to work from home amidst the constant distraction of their bored and ornery offspring. The press release as states, Today, DC launched DC Kids Camp, a fun new program to help parents engage kids at home. Parents can follow DC Kids social channels, Twitter and Instagram to download kid-friendly superhero-themed activities and previews of past and upcoming DC middle middle grade graphic novels to enjoy at home. The DC Kids social channels will also feature entertaining videos from all-star authors and artists for parents and kids to watch together. With DC Kids Camp, kids will learn how to draw their favorite DC superheroes, gain inspiration and skills to make their own comics and unlock their creativity with fun, off-the-wall how-to videos like draw-alongs with Agnes Garbaska, DC Superhero Girls, origami tutorials with Jean Loon Yang of Superman Smashes the Clan, make your own Green Lantern Rain demonstrations with Min Le, Green Lantern Legacy, and many more captivating activities. Activity sheets, coloring pages, blank comic book pages, middle grade graphic novel previews, and additional downloadable content will be shared daily to parents across DC Kids social channels. Parents can also receive DC Kids Camp content directly in their inboxes on Mondays and Fridays by signing up for the DC Family Newsletter. Families can also tune in Monday through Friday at 10am Pacific Time to the at DC Comics Kids Twitter and at DC Kids Instagram channels to watch fun interactive videos with DC authors and artists together. The first installment, "Make a Green Lantern Rain" with Min Lei, debuts today, Wednesday, March twenty fifth, twenty twenty, at ten a.m. Pacific time. The first week's author artist video schedule includes Wednesday, March twenty fifth, "Make a Green Lantern Rain" with Min Lei. Thursday, March twenty sixth, twenty twenty, "Superman Origami" with Jean Luen Yang. Friday, March 27, 2020, Make Your Own Superhero with Dustin Hansen. Additional books and DC author-artists to be featured via DC Kids Camp include Franco Aruliani Art Baltazar of Superman of Smallville, Meg Cabot of Black Canary Ignite, Matthew Cody of Zatanna and the House of Secrets, Amanda Debert, DC Superhero Girls, Shay Fontana of Batman Overdrive, Agnes Garbowska of DC Superhero Girls, Dustin Hansen, My Video Game Ate My Homework, Shannon Hill and Dean Hale, Diana Princess of the Amazons, Thomas Krajewski, Jennifer Muro, and Gretel Lusky of Primer, Min Le of Green Lantern Legacy, Demetria Lunetta and Kate Carius Quinn of Antihero, Michael Northrup of Dear Justice League, Ridley Pearson of Super Sons Trilogy, Kirk Scroggs of The Secret Spiral of Swamp Kid, Brittany Williams of Lois Lane and the Friendship Challenge, and Gene Lewin Yang of Superman Smashes the Clan. And I gotta say, it sounds like a great, or great idea, and a lot of great content. I may even tune in to some of that to watch. But just another opportunity for you to help get your kids out of their boredom hope you enjoy it one final or article talking about the coronavirus problem this is from newnownext.com. glad president lift blood donation bans for gay bi, and queer men the u.s surgeon general has urged americans to donate amid the coronavirus pandemic the president and CEO of one of America's largest LGBTQ advocacy groups is urging the Food and Drug Administration to drop antiquated policies barring gay and bisexual men from donating blood. On Twitter, Sarah Kate Ellis of Glad re- quote, retweeted a March 19th news alert about U.S. Surgeon General Jerome M. Adams urging Americans to donate blood amid the deadly coronavirus, that pandemic. The antiquated ban that still prevents gay and bisexual men and men who have sex with men from donating blood must be immediately lifted by the FDA, Ellis wrote. Currently, all men who have had sex with men in the past 12 months cannot donate blood. Leading medical experts have highlighted for years that the ban is ineffective and doesn't rely on science. Ellis' Twitter thread with ended with a link to an online petition from the organization urging the FDA update its blood donation rules. It cites statistics from the Williams Institute, UCLA's nationally recognized LGBTQ think tank, and a similar plea from the Red Cross to the FDA, which New Now Next reported last November. And again, when all the blood is tested anyways... What is the point in denying gay men from donating even if they have had sex recently? When you're critically short on blood and in desperate need, blood is blood. It doesn't matter whose blood you are. It's not going to change you. If it's not diseased, it's, gr- it's desperately needed, and it's something that needs to end. We need to stop this discrimination and stop these discriminatory practices. And one final story this week from bbc.com. This one is about the need to care about climate change once again. There are diseases hidden in ice, and they are waking up. Throughout history, humans have existed side by side with bacteria and viruses. From the bubonic plague to smallpox, we have evolved to resist them. And in response, they have developed new ways of infecting us. We have had antibiotics for almost a century, ever since Alexander Fleming discovered penicillin. In response, bacteria have responded by evolving antibiotic resistance. The battle is endless. Because we spend so much time with pathogens, we sometimes develop a kind of natural stalemate. However, what would happen if we were suddenly exposed to deadly bacteria and viruses that have been absent for thousands of years or that we have never met before? We may be about to find out. Climate change is melting permafrost soils that have been frozen for thousands of years, and as the soils melt away, they are releasing ancient viruses and bacteria that, having lain dormant, are spraining back to life. In August 2016, in a remote corner of Siberian tundra called the Yamal Peninsula in the Arctic Circle, a 12-year-old boy died and at least 20 people were hospitalized after being infected by anthrax. The theory is that over 75 years ago, a reindeer infected with anthrax died and its frozen carcass became trapped under a layer of frozen soil known as permafrost. There it stayed until a heat wave in the summer of 2016 when the permafrost thawed. This exposed the reindeer corpse and released infectious anthrax into nearby water and soil and then into the food supply. More than 2,000 reindeer grazing nearby became infected, which then led to the small number of human cases. The fear is that this will not be an isolated case. As the earth warms, more permafrost will melt. Under normal circumstances, superficial permafrost layers about 50 centimeters deep melt every summer. But now, global warming is gradually exposing older permafrost layers. Frozen permafrost soil is the perfect place for bacteria to remain alive for very long periods of time, perhaps as long as a million years. That means melting ice could potentially open a Pandora's box of diseases. The temperature in the Arctic Circle is rising quickly, about three times faster than in the rest of the world. As the ice and permafrost melt, other infectious agents may be released. Permafrost is a very good preserver of microbes and viruses because it is cold, there is no oxygen, and it is dark," says evolutionary biologist Jean-Michael Claverie at Aix-Marseille University in France. Pathogenic viruses that can infect humans or animals might be preserved in old permafrost layers, including some that have have caused global epidemics in the past. In the early 20th century alone, more than a million reindeer died from anthrax. It is not easy to dig deep graves, so most of these carcasses are buried close to the surface, scattered among 7,000 burial grounds in northern Russia. However, the big fear is what else is lurking beneath the frozen soil. People and animals have been buried in permafrost for centuries, so it is conceivable that other infectious agents could be unleashed. For instance, scientists have discovered fragments of RNA from the 1918 Spanish flu virus in corpses buried in mass graves in Alaska's tundra. Smallpox and the bubonic plague are also likely buried in Siberia. In a 2011 study, Boris Revich and Marina Podonia wrote, As a consequence of permafrost melting, the victors of deadly infections of the 18th and 19th centuries may come back, especially near the cemeteries where the victims of these infections were buried. And there is more there if you would like to read. But that's the gist of it. And honestly, you can deny climate change all you want, but the fact remains that there is solid proof that these diseases are coming back, and we need to do everything we can to prevent this, and I'm not saying it is, there is absolutely no link to it, but suppose the coronavirus is due to the introduction of diseases from the past because of climate change. Something we could have prevented by taking care of the earth, but so many people denied it. Just like the coronavirus, when it first started, it was considered a liberal hoax by so many on the right. And so many on the right want to deny climate change. We're seeing facts here. We need to pay attention to them, and we need to prevent any further problems like this, if we can. So please, again, do everything you can to help the environment. But that is it for my news this week. When I return, I will be reviewing Big Business, which you can watch on Disney+. Stay tuned. Welcome back. I am now going to give you my review of Big Business. It is available as part of the Disney Plus service. First, let's give the other guys credit. Rotten Tomatoes. The tomato meter for critics. There is no consensus yet. The tomato meter is 41%. The audience score is 69%. On IMDb it has scored a 6.4 out of 10. Basically, the story is, and forgive me if I give the names wrong, but I believe it's the Shelton's are traveling through West Virginia, and uh, Binky Shelton goes into labor. They go to a hospital, and... At the same time, the Ratliff's are going into labor. And due to that, they have the babies at the same time at the same hospital. The nurse is frazzled, and of course, both parents are having sets of twins, twin daughters, and they get mixed up. The Ratliff's are from the country, whereas the Sheltons are rich and live in New York City, or at least operate in the business in New York City. And they're very different people. I will say the reason I wanted to watch this was Lily Tomlin. Absolutely love her. Think she is phenomenal. Of course Grace and Frankie on Netflix is a fantastic show. If you haven't seen it, cannot suggest it enough, especially while you're home with nothing to do. If you have Netflix, give it a watch because Grace and Frankie is hilarious. It also stars Bette Midler, Fred Ward, Edward Herman, uh, Michael Gross, Deborah Rush plays Binky Shelton, Nicholas Coster plays Hunt Shelton. Uh, Patricia Gall plays Iona Ratliff, and J.C. Quinn plays Garth Ratliff. Uh, To read you the IMDb description, In the 1940s in the small town of Jupiter Hollow, two sets of identical twins are born in the same hospital on the same night, one set to a poor local family and the other to a rich family just passing through. The dizzy nurse on duty accidentally mixes the twins unbeknown to the parents. Our story flashes forward to the 1980s where the mismatched sets of twins are about to cross paths following a big business deal to close down the Jupiter Hollow factory. And I ex- I've got to say, I expected a lot more from this movie. Bette Midler, I've enjoyed the few things that she was in. Haven't seen everything, haven't really seen a lot course, I saw Down and Out in Beverly Hills, and I saw Ruthless People. Enjoyed both of them. Lily Tomlin, I've enjoyed about everything that she's been in. Love all of me. The Incredible Shrinking Woman was great. She was good on Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In. Of course, I said Grace and Frankie. Phenomenal show, if you haven't seen it. This film, however, was good, it just was not as good as I wanted it to be. With Lily Tomlin in it, I expected so much more. There were comical moments, it is a fun story, but it just kind of falls flat in many places. Uh, The the twins thing, yeah, it's been done a lot at this point. I don't know if it had been done as much as this movie came out in 1988, but my rating on the five-star scale, I would have to go with three out of five, and that's being probably generous. It is worth a watch. It is enjoyable for a watch but I don't think I'll watch it again afterwards. And that really kills me because Lily Tomlin is so phenomenal. And I'd be remiss to not even mention 9 to 5, which just completely escaped my mind a little bit ago. So Lily Tomlin has a great history of hilarious films that are so very enjoyable and you want to watch over. Unfortunately, Big Business just isn't one of them. Like I said, it's worth a watch, it's a good movie, but it's far from great, and it's a one-and-done type of thing. You won't be sorry you watched it, but you won't really feel the desire to have to watch it again. And of course... That's the end of my review, and the end of the show. As I mentioned last week, the theaters are closed, so there are no top ten movies to give. But, as always, if you have opinions on this film that you differ from me, you really hate it, you really love it, let me know. You can always email me at chris-h71 at yahoo.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter, at Chris underscore H71, that's C-H-R-I-S, with the little underline H, and the numbers 71. So that's it for this week, I hope you enjoyed the show again, and I hope you'll tune in again next week for another episode. Until then, goodbye everybody.